0: Requad Vancouver. Free game, post game, every game. Presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to Free Casino Games. Make a play at bodog.net. Wadden and j here with you once again with another edition of the post game show as the Canucks harpoon the Sharks 7-2. Make it nine straight now over San Jose. And oh yeah, another series sweep for the Canucks.
1: Yeah, brooms are out against one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. I don't know if the Sharks are going to win again based on what I saw In this one, I know that they took the Oilers to overtime the other night. But, uh, man, they looked disinterested. They had eight shots over the final 40 minutes, and they were trailing. Usually score effects kick in, but I don't think anything that uh, was going to kick in was going to help the San Jose Sharks on this night. But this is a Canucks postgame show, and the Canucks did a number of good things. They've been leaning so heavily on their top guns here of late, Miller and Patterson and Hughes and Kuzmenko, that it was refreshing. And Miller and Kuzmenko opened the scoring, I know. But after that, uh, the depth guys— stepped up and took over and kept scoring. And James Reimer might have wanted to make a save somewhere along the line, but uh, that's for another night. But to get goals from Dakota Joshua and Connor Garland and Vasily Podkolzin with a beautiful end-to-end rush, uh, Phil DiGiuseppe with the deflection, and then Sheldon Dries looked like it was, uh, you know, game was already in the bag. But, hey, it played to the final buzzer, and so Sheldon Dries with a shorthanded goal with 14 seconds to go. And you like to see some guys rewarded that, uh, you know, some of those guys have been playing hard, but they haven't had a whole lot to show for it of late. I think of Connor Garland. He was my do something candidate. So it was nice to see him get a bit of a bounce, puck in the bread basket that uh, fell at his feet and was able just to scoop it home past uh, Reimer for the, I guess that was the the 4-1 goal, the only goal of the second period. Uh, and we've talked about this before, Andrew. Dakota Joshua, like there's some hands there. There's some finesse that... You know, another indication, I think, of the goal that he scored at home against Nashville where somewhat similar situation, you know, takes a pass and instead of just firing it as hard as he can, you know, again tonight, dying seconds of that first period, but he pulls the puck and, you know, slips it in. Like there's some patience and poise there that not every guy at this level has. And so good for him to get to double digits. That's, uh, you know, from the unknown of what they had in Dakota Joshua to a guy who has double digits and kind of gives the impression of, obviously being a uh, one of Rick Tockett's guys and you just kind of get the feeling that maybe he's scratching the surface at this level. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and and wonder, you know, what top end could be, but full season under Tockett, uh, there's certainly some chemistry there with Amon and, and Garland, uh, you know, who knows what Connor Garland's future is with the Vancouver Canucks because we are expecting change in the off season, but, Dakota Joshua is going to be here. There's no doubt about that. And you just wonder like could he be a 15 to 20 goal scorer over a full season when he reaches that peak uh, potential of his. But I thought that was such a huge goal because even though the Sharks weren't very good, Thomas Hurdle had scored to atone for the just the brutal giveaway. My goodness, what a pizza that was to to JT Miller to open yeah. the scoring. But at 2 to 1, like they're hanging around, right? Like it's a one shot, get a bounce, whatever. And so for Dakota Joshua to beat the buzzer the way that he did, four-tenths of a second, uh, that just felt like a massive goal uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. And sure enough, the floodgates would open, and they end up uh, with a bit of a laugher. Most of their wins here of late have been fairly low-scoring and and tight-checking affairs. So, uh, you know, a, a comfortable win, certainly, against a bad San Jose team. As you said, the broom's out. 4-0, the Canucks sweep the Sharks they go 9-0 now against the California teams, still with uh, a couple of games remaining against the Kings, one more uh, in Anaheim before all is said and done. So uh, they're closing in on a, a dozen of their wins. Uh, we won't give them those final three just yet, but they're 9-0 and against the Sharks or 9-0 against the California teams on this season. So absolutely, the Canucks, uh, with some domination of the Golden State teams, 32 wins on the year for the Canucks and nine of them have come against that trio of teams from the state of California.
0: Yeah, Dakota Joshua, 10 goals now, 9 assists. So very balanced for Dakota Joshua. You're absolutely right about the hands. He's got them. You can't teach those. A nice little dangle on the goal, and you love the fact that it was legitimately in the dying second of that one. Uh, They had to check and make sure that he uh, beat the buzzer, which he did. And uh big night for Dakota Joshua. Two points tonight from him, two points tonight from Tyler Myers, two points tonight from PDG, two points tonight from Connor Garland. Like again, you know, Nils Amon chipping in with an apple as well. Like the sleep on Six
1: different guys had two point nights. Yeah. So yeah, that's spreading it around. And and again, Miller and Kuzmenko got their goals, and Pedersen has another point. So he's up to ninety on the season, but wow. you know, this just wasn't a night where they were leaning on their top end guys. You know, if there was one area, and a couple of the players pointed it out, and I think Talkett talked about it briefly, too. Yeah. You know, the power play, they didn't need it tonight, but you get five opportunities against a San Jose team, and you give up a shorthanded goal and don't score. So that was sort of the one area, I suppose, that maybe the one blemish on the night. But uh, you know, good teams spread the scoring around. You need your best guys going, and the Canucks' best guys have been going for a while now. Uh, but it was kind of nice for them to be able to uh, to watch as uh, the depth players stepped up in a big way.
0: Connor Garland snaps that goalless yeah. out and he goes through big stretches. That's what Connor Garland does. But a good goal for him tonight. It, we we the, it, this was coming for Connor Garland, right? Like we've seen him. You know, we look at the underlying stats every single night. We saw the fact that he is starting to generate a bit. He just was a little bit uh, unlucky, if you will. But a good goal tonight, and uh, I think Tyler Myers knew exactly what he was doing in that play.
1: Yeah, I, I, like the goals hadn't been there, and you're getting five million bucks. You've been a goal scorer in this league. You're expected to put pucks to the net. And we kind of found some reasons, and maybe even I say excuses last year, <laughs> first year, yeah. uh, you know, change of scenery, coming to a hockey market. And it was an underwhelming first season for Connor Garland, but people certainly liked the five on five production and all of that. But at the end of the day, five million bucks, like, You're expected. There there has to be a baseline for good teams. You've got to get some value out of those kind of players. And this was a step back in the goal scoring department. He's played with a bunch of different players this year, has settled in, though, really for the last 15 games, almost since the coaching change, uh, on that line that is very much the third line for the Vancouver Canucks. And on the surface, you can look at Nils Amon's individual offensive numbers, and they're not going to blow anybody away. And so. To some degree, I think that can be a bit of a drag on a player like Garland and his production, but that line has played well. They've had some nights where absolutely, like, you've been really encouraged, and even Amon and Joshua have been able to score some goals here of late, and it just hasn't happened for Connor Garland you had to go back to a game in Nashville uh, 13 games ago. So seven points in those 13 games since he had last scored, so there was a little bit of production. Like, it wasn't completely cold, but... Mm-hmm. You know, it just has to feel good. I mean, goals in the National Hockey League, it's got to be fun to be a goal scorer. And, you know, we talk about goal scorers getting paid. Well, he's already been paid. He's got the contract. And so, you know, there's 11 games remaining. It's unlikely that he, after a 13-game drought, would all of a sudden, you know, go on a a real run. Uh, You know, let's say that he'll probably get to 15, but I don't know that he gets any further than that, and so 15 goals for Connor Garland, uh, I think you'd say that that's a, a disappointing season as part of the broader discussion of it's been a disappointing season for the hockey club, and some of that is underperformance
0: from guys that you expected a little bit more from. How about JT Miller, though, right now? Just finding the back of the net like just crazy. A that net, it's, it's, it's a soccer and, net for him right now.
1: Yeah, and he talked a little bit about that uh, after the game, but it's just the... The guy can't score an ugly goal either, right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, a hurdle, and and I suppose it's important to frame it because I've saw some people pushing back when I tweeted the fact that like these are all just highlight real goals and like that snapshot. Uh, it's incredible stuff, and people are like, "Yeah, well, do it in October." And fair enough. Like, I hear that part of this is you know, Thomas Hurdle makes that mistake. It's unlikely that if this game had significance, that a player wheels out of his own end and just. You know, rink wide onto the stick of an opponent. And so there is that element of, you know, again, the Sharks didn't look like they cared an awful lot. And really, why should they? Now it's all about, you know, trying to fall as far as they can and and up the rods for Connor Bedard. I don't think that uh, that was Hurdle's intention. I doubt he was thinking about Bedard at that moment. It was, I mean, that was just a ghastly pass, right? Like, it was terrible. But Miller. You know, that's the wrong guy for the Sharks. You put it on the stick of a goal scorer, he's up to 29. And, yeah, I mean, you just go back and look at some of these goals of late. Like, that's a big-time shot from distance. And, and goals aren't generally scored from distance in the National Hockey League. And yet JT Miller doesn't score anything close around the net other than the penalty shot the other night. Otherwise, just an absolute laser beam. So good start for the Canucks. I know they didn't like their start the other night against Vegas. Uh, they get the first one at 6.15 and then 8.17. It was Kuzmenko taking the pass from Pedersen. And again, those nifty hands in tight from Andre Kuzmenko. And 35 is a pretty significant goal for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pavel Bure had 34 in his first year, and that had stood the test of time until right now. And there is a new first-year goal-scoring king in Vancouver, and his name is Andre Kuzmenko. And that was a pretty play. Uh, Elias Petterson with the pass, uh, still not sure what James Reimer was doing. He was a little slow to move across the net. But uh, again, guys like Kuzmenko will make goaltenders look foolish and to take the lead from one nothing to 2 nothing, just like that, whatever air was in the balloon of the uh, San Jose Sharks, and I don't think there's a lot of air in there, uh, probably goes out. I know that Hurdle chipped away and they got it to 2-1 to a few minutes later. But again, this is a San Jose team that's now lost eight in a row. A couple of OTLs and shootouts in there, but eight straight without a victory. 13 of the last 14, and they have two wins in their last 18 games and only one of them. In regulation time, like it, it, it boggles your mind that they're still ahead of anybody in the standings and they they are. They're still ahead of Columbus. Like you get two wins in 18 games and you somehow manage to stay ahead of the Columbus Blue Jackets like what CBJ been doing. But uh, anyways, it does now look like it's going to be a two horse race to uh, the best lottery odds. I think the Sharks, I'm not sure that they win I won't say that they won't win again. There's, I think they've got 11 games to go, but there will not be many wins, and there haven't been many wins for the Sharks for a while now.
0: And people talk about dignified tanks. I don't think this is a dignified tank. I think they're just bad. <laughs> they, they are. Just, yeah. it, it is, it's it's no, a and they, and they
1: signal, and they traded Timo Meyer. I mean, that yeah, was yeah. The, the white flag. I mean, it was already... This ship was taking on some serious water, but that was the signal that uh, it was full speed to the bottom, and we'll see if they can get there. But again... Uh, they're sitting in 31st in the overall standings, but there is one team below them, and that is the Columbus Blue Jackets.
0: I don't like that others have worn 96 after Pavel Bure wore it. I know that his main number sort of hangs in the rafters, but you know I've bitched about this before. Mm -hmm. Kuzmenko deserves that number now. He's earned it. He's definitely earned that nine. Adam Godet, maybe not so much when he wore it, but uh, Andre Kuzmenko definitely is filling out that 96. Uh, about, 30, go ahead. Just, well, no, just speaking of wearing numbers, how about Martin Kaut
1: on the other side? We're at number 87. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. He got lots of choices there. Yeah. There's other numbers in the 80s yeah. if you want a high number, but. Leave 87 out of the equation.
0: <laughs> well, Software wears 97, too. I mean, don't get me wrong. Kaprizov holds his own in the league. Right. The that's what in I... League, but yeah. I would have stayed away from it if I was Corral as well. Just, you know, that McDavid guy's pretty good. Right. Well, let's get back to the game here. Uh, Hironik, what would you think? I thought he looked pretty good, pretty steady. Uh, looking underneath the hood... It's okay, the, the the numbers are fine, but uh, I thought I, I thought the confidence was definitely there, right? And I think it's
1: important to remember this guy hadn't played in three weeks, so he was knocking a little bit of rust off and had only had a couple of skates and not even full practices with the Canucks, and so you know, in some ways, gets thrown in blind, and then all of a sudden, three shifts into the game, Christian Willanin is Damn. done. And so, you know, the plan was that Hironic and Ethan Bear were going to be paired together, a couple of righties. The Canucks went with four right-handed shots to start this game and only two lefties, and then, willannon has gone after uh, a minute and 49 seconds of ice time, three shifts, and didn't return. So early in the hockey game, Quinn Hughes is their only left-shot defenseman, and I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, not that the Canucks need excuses to lean on Quinn Hughes, but he was their only lefty left, and uh, the score allowed the Canucks to sort of have the common sense, I guess, to back off Quinn Hughes for the first time in a while. In fact, Quinn Hughes didn't lead the team in ice time. Wasn't even second in ice time oh! in this hockey game. I know stats that stand out, uh, you know, a manageable night and the Canucks and Quinn Hughes, uh, can use a couple of those, or at least Quinn Hughes certainly can, uh, Hughes plays 23, 39. led the Canucks in ice time though. So, you know, they, wow. you know, yeah, yeah, 24 minutes and 25 seconds. It was a, A healthy serving of ice time and, again, going down to 5D was uh, going to impact that. Certainly, three and a half minutes on the power play, 33 seconds of shorthanded time, and just a shade over 20 minutes at even strength. And what did I think of Philip Karanik? I I, I was struck by uh, just sort of how active he is in the offensive zone at even strength. This is a guy that... You know, he he was the right shot defenseman, but a lot of the times you would see him slide across the blue line, and then at times down into like the left corner, so like about as far away as you can get from from the right point. Uh, you know, but he was looking to make himself available for passes and and help the hockey club make plays. And so, you know, I didn't ever find that he was out of position. There was one, I suppose, where uh, he had a pinch. And the Sharks are able to get around him and, and they had a two on one. I uh, didn't score on it, but that was the one time that I did notice him getting caught. But on these sort of forays when he was moving around the offensive zone, I just thought, okay, that's interesting. And it's kind of unique that, uh, you know, Quinn Hughes plays a rover. But I, you know, I'm still getting to learn a fair bit about Philip Ronick. And I don't think that I have the full book after one game. Uh, you know, he's sort of sneaky physical in that he had 97 hits before tonight. And when I look at the Canucks, I mean Luke Shen was what, two fifty or something, uh, and then there's Kyle Burroughs. But Horonic would slot in now that Shen's gone and you know, really second on this team, it's not a particularly physical defense. Tyler Myers has the size, but he's not overly physical, uh OEL, uh, you know, breeze ball when he plays, you Burrows know. Th-
0: throws it around, but he's not a Bur- big dude. Yeah,
1: yeah. but So I think Philip Ronick, that's an element of his game that maybe is a little undetected and and underrated. Hmm. I don't think he's going to lay guys out, but he certainly doesn't shy away uh, from the physical side of things and was credited with three hits on the night. Now Burroughs had eight, so uh, we've seen Kyle Burroughs with the hit total uh, getting up there a couple of times here of late. But overall, you know, for a guy that didn't get a lot of practice time, coming off an injury, uh, and we talked about, you know, sort of a – an easy game to transition to a new team against an opponent like San Jose, you know. I, I think it kind of went exactly as he and the hockey club would want. It was a bit of a laugher on the scoreboard, so it wasn't high stakes. Not that it was ever going to be high stakes against the Sharks, but it just allowed Hronik to uh, sort of work his way back into an NHL lineup, and, and I thought he looked good. Now, there were a couple of things that I didn't notice. First period, Sharks iced the puck. Ronick was already out there. And the Canucks made the decision to sort of juice their attack. And it was the first time in the night that they put Hughes out for an offensive zone face-off with Philip Ronick. And off the draw, the Canucks created pressure that led to the first penalty of the night. So, you know, it didn't generate a scoring chance necessarily, but forced the Sharks into a penalty. So, you know, I think you would call that a, a success. Uh, you know, just a, a small play, but something to notice. And then, again, without Willannon, we saw Ronick on the second power play unit. And then in the third period, when the Canucks got a power play, they decided to go with the two defensemen set. And again, the score allowed Rick Tockett and the coaching staff the leeway to experiment a little bit. So, you know, I'm sure they appreciated that. They played again, you know, I think back to the games on that road trip, they're all sort of, you know, three to two, two to one, whatever. Uh, This one, they had the cushion on the scoreboard that allowed the coaches to do a little bit of in game experimenting. And you've got a new player and you want to see what he looks like and with certain. You know, partners and in different game situations. So, again, I think they accomplished a fair bit with Philip Roddick. And I would say overall, huh, pretty decent debut.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're leading the team in ice time. And you've been now for what, three weeks now from him? So, keep in mind, too, Horonic, you uh, might throw the body around. He also took one of the biggest hits of the year from Ryan Reeves. I'm surprised he's still playing really after that one. But, uh, yeah, no, I liked uh, what we saw from Heroic Tank. We're going to get an update from Rick Tockett when we dip into the dressing room on Christian Will I
1: thought you were going to say he took one of the hardest hits of the night, and I was like... I didn't make that. I didn't write that down in my notes. No, no, I you it, remember. You know what I'm talking I, about. No, no, I definitely remember yeah. that hit, but yeah. I, I thought <laughs> maybe I had missed him getting absolutely crushed in this game. No. Could
0: have been grabbing popcorn or something. No, it didn't happen.
1: The biggest <laughs> hit of this game was also the stupidest hit of this game was Kevin LeBanc. Yeah. The cross-check yeah. on Elias Petterson. Just yeah. like absolute garbage in a game that meant nothing. And even if the game did mean something, it was still a stupid play. And in, like, live motion, it looked bad. And then to watch the replay, like, Pedersen's numbers are so clearly visible. Yeah. And there's, like, a three-second delay, and in comes LeBanc, the stick, like, right across the lower back. And fortunately, Pedersen popped up, and, you know, I saw some people that wanted more of the Wolfpack mentality and, and whatever. Um, I just, you know, he got a penalty on the play. And, again, I think it was the— referee out at center ice that made the call and not the guy that was standing four feet away, which is just, you just shake your head that that keeps happening uh, in hockey. So I'm glad that he got a minor penalty, but you know, uh, the department of player safety, like Elias Pedersen was not particularly safe in that situation. And it's just, that's the kind of hit that, you know, there's all this talk about guys fighting after open ice hits and whatever, like, if a Canuck had lost it and gone after LeBanc there, like, absolutely, I would have understood and even take the instigator, whatever. It didn't happen that way. Heronic was one of the guys that was out there trying to face wash and, and deliver some kind of message, but it would be nice if the league delivered a message that, you know, that kind of hit. Like, that's it's just dangerous. A star player bordering on a superstar player. Like, he could have been injured pretty badly. Like, it had the potential to go completely sideways there. So I was glad that uh, EP40 popped back up and, and stayed in the hockey game.
0: Yeah, we're going to get an update uh, from uh, Rick Tockett on uh, Christian Will but um, it's interesting now with this decor because starting to get banged up a little bit. Yeah. Wilson now week to week. Breezeball is banged up with something. Uh, I don't know if necessarily if Breezeball or Will are going to miss any games per se, but uh be interesting to see who gets you know, tap to come up next if they do have to go down to the farm, perhaps uh, Jack Rathbone sighting again?
1: Yeah, so let's just be clear that the Canucks are out of call-ups after the trade deadline. They papered a bunch of guys but had to use the call-ups to to bring them back up. So they've maxed out on their call-ups, but if you are running out of players, you're still allowed emergency call-ups, and I think that's they would have to trigger that uh, yeah, I mean, we talk about the left side. All of a sudden, with both Brisbois and now Willanin, um you'd have to think that Jack Rathbone would be uh, the next guy. Uh, you know, they're still all right on the right side with the addition of Philip Ronick. And uh, but the interesting news uh, post game was that Noah Julson may be done for for the season after whatever happened in the pregame activation the other night. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've spent so much time talking about these depth guys, and now all of a sudden. Uh, All three of them are dealing with the various injuries and uh, to different degrees. But, yeah, we'll see what happens here. Canucks going out on the road trip three and four nights. It wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, they added a body here just because they're, you know, getting away from home. And all of a sudden with back-to-backs on the weekend, uh, that much tougher to get somebody in if you had to. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see if uh, they have to make the emergency call to the farm.
0: What a weird season for the Canucks I mean, at one point, they don't got enough guys on the right side. Now they got a ton (laughs) of right right guys. But not only that, earlier in the season, the power play is basically the only thing that's sort of keeping them into games. It goes 0 for tonight, 0 for 5. And the PK goes 2 for 2. Now the PK is unstoppable. They got 13 shorthanded goals as a team. They're tied with the Oilers for the league lead. And, of course, Sheldon Dry is getting that uh, shorty tonight. It's, It's just such a weird season for the Canucks this year.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, Like, just didn't see all of these shorthanded goals. I mean, clearly nobody saw them, but I didn't see them coming either. And under Bruce Boudreaux, it was just such a struggle to kill a penalty and now to be so aggressive and to create and generate the offense that they have. And I know the Sharks got a shorthanded goal as well, so... You know I'm sort of numb to it now when it happens it's like oh more short-handed goals how about that it just' didn't, like it's almost on a nightly basis uh, and we touched on the fact and we won't go deep but yeah I mean the power play just kind of looks off right now and they tried a couple of different looks as we mentioned not just with the two defensemen but uh at one point kuzmenko was off the top unit Kuzmenko I think saw a little uh, time with the top unit as well um and and again this was uh you know maybe if there was something to play for like maybe you dial it in it just there was sort of this lack of urgency that kind of, it just felt that way in the building uh, right from the outset, two teams that aren't going to the playoffs, certainly. And, you know, the Sharks uh, have, the Canucks have had their number. And, and so it'll be interesting to see how they approach the power play with the uh, 11 games remaining here, um, because you're right. I mean, there have been times this season where this power play has been absolutely dialed in and, um, you know, has had some nights where it looked virtually unstoppable, but of late, that's one area. They've been scoring lots of even strength, lots at of uh, shorthanded. Tonight they spread it around. Uh, But you'd kind of like to see them go into the offseason with the power play feeling a little bit better about itself and, and some of those top-end guys. That's the one area that uh, maybe – and I know Patterson scored a couple of power play goals on the weekend. So it's not like it's been this massive drought. But against the Sharks who you – know, I say against the Sharks. It's funny. I mean, they can't defend – uh, but they are one of the better penalty-killing teams in the National Hockey League. so, That's so strange. So when we talk <laughs> about the Canucks
0: and some things that don't make sense,
1: that one certainly doesn't for the San Jose Sharks. Now, the Sharks couldn't get a save in the first I mean, James Reimer, who obviously has been a story in the National Hockey League here for the last week or so, three goals on eight shots. Crowd was starting to give him the Bronx cheer as uh, the night went along and as the goals continued to get past him. but. We touched on it on our YouTube pregame show. I mean, the Sharks came into this night with the worst 5-on-5 save percentage in the National Hockey League, and this was a low-event game. I mean, the final shots were 21-19, 40 shots total. The Canucks outshoot shoot the Sharks, and Vancouver scores seven goals on 21 shots. That is not a great yeah. save percentage.
0: I'd call it karma for James Reimer, but I've seen him play throughout his career. That is James Reimer right there. Uh, okay, so the Trumpets, they are not going to play just yet. no. But we've got them at the ready right now because it's been updated. 69.9%. Nice. Yeah,
1: I thought in my own head, I thought I had done the math that if they killed off two, that it would get them to 70. But uh, you're as close to 70 as you can get. But they still will have to kill off that first penalty, the next penalty, whether it's uh, on Saturday in Dallas or if they get through that game without a penalty uh, in Chicago. Whatever the case, out here on the road trip, the next time the Canucks are shorthanded, if they are successful, they will crest 70% for the first time all season. And again, if you're wondering, like, come on, at some point they had to have been. No, opening night in Edmonton, they, yeah. they gave up three power play goals on four opportunities. Like, right away, they were deep in it and have been scratching and clawing to try to climb out of that hole ever since. And again, it really, it's no celebration for 70%, but... I kind of feel like we've been tracking it all season. So if they get there, uh, we'll have to give them their due.
0: Well, they only had to face the league's best power play that hits 31.5% uh, and their game one. So if yeah. that tells you anything. But let's keep in mind here too, folks, as we sort of celebrate this number, they're still 32nd in the league.
1: And that's just it. Yeah, that's why I say it's such a low bar that really it's not worth celebrating, but it's kind of become a shtick here on quiet on at the very least. And, and just like the other night when Quinn Hughes took the late penalty uh, against Vegas the other night, you know, it was 25 seconds and the clock ran down. But that's a successful kill in the books, uh, in according to the league. And, and then here tonight, too many men in the final minute. And, you know, you just knew that the Sharks uh, weren't really pushing to score a power play goal late to try to make it a 7-3 hockey game. So uh, hey, whatever it takes, but uh, a couple of freebies uh, that weren't even full two minutes that, uh, you know, final minute uh padding the stats essentially and this was uh what this night was all about although when we said like i, I would have loved to have seen Elias Petterson have a massive night to you know just put him that much closer to 100 a little bit of uh insurance if you will uh quinn hughes and we'll talk about him and his production they score seven and it was dicey to see whether quinn hughes was going to find his way onto the score sheet in this hockey game so uh ultimately he did and so did uh peterson but uh you know, I, I kind of thought maybe this would be a night where one or both of those guys would go off and just get that much closer to the individual goals of 100 points for Pedersen and those 70 assists for Quinn Hughes. So uh, kind of chipping away uh, instead of uh, you know, taking uh, big bunches.
0: I was glad to see that goal was not yeah, no to idea. his goal and it was an apple. We'll get to that <laughs> point in just a moment here.
1: and kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today.
0: A Rank-Wide Vancouver is presented by Bodog. Sports odds, poker tips, and free casino games. It's time to play. Let's head into the dressing room. Hear from the head coach. A few of the players here. Rick Tockett, though, uh, he liked a lot of this game, but there were some
2: things that he didn't like as well. I think our power play kind of struggled tonight. Kind of, you know, we got to fix that a little bit. Uh, you know, a little, saw some lack of energy there. Uh, they were getting frustrated, but overall, you know, some good high, re- like some good goals by guys, you know, like uh, Patience, you at the end, you know, Dakota. It's good to get Garley a goal. Like, there's positives in that.
0: PD had a really good chance on uh, that one timer yeah. that uh, Reimer decided to save that one. <laughs> that was a really good save.
1: One. Yeah, and that was uh, the penalty that he drew with the, the cross check yeah. from LeBanc. But you're right, that was probably their best scoring chance on the power play. You know, the power play, 10 minutes of power play time. Only four shots on goal, yeah. and so I, I agree with Talkett. And as I say, it just it kind of looked like the game that you would expect from two teams that aren't going anywhere. Like there just there was very little intensity in this thing, and that kind of spilled over to the power
0: play. Yeah, it's interesting with this power play too, though. You know, the fact that it was, you know, a weapon for them to a certain degree, and then now it's just a completely ice cold. Maybe that's the ebbs and flows of, of a power play. Who knows? It's the same guys out there, right? Yep. So, be interesting to see if they can. Uh, turn that around uh, just here in that final stretch. Um, Dakota Joshua, of course, having himself uh, a, a decent little stretch here, and Rick Talkett, he really likes his player. Thinks
2: he's got more to give, though. Yeah, I think the last uh, six weeks he's really improved. You know, and, they, and I'll be honest, there's another level. Like I know I keep harping on this big summer, but he's a guy that has another. There is another level for him. You know, he's a guy that uh, if he really does the right things, I mean. I I don't want to put pressure on him, but he can score 20 goals in this league, you know, and he could be a really good penalty killer for us.
0: The thing about Dakota Joshua, too, you know, he's 26, so he'll be 27 in May. So, like, it's go time for him in terms of his NHL career, spent uh, a bunch of time, whether it was, you know, in the AHL, spent some time in the ECHL, you know, wasn't able to really sort of stick with the St. Louis Blues, only playing uh, 42 games for them, just one playoff game for them now. But now, I mean, this guy is really starting to find himself a place here in Vancouver. And I agree with the coach, like there is another level there and it'd be interesting to see, you know, what Dakota Joshua is going to bring here uh next season for this Canucks because whether it's, you know, goal scoring, which we're seeing that he can do that, but also just that PK, the fact that he can be one of those penalty killers. And when you look at him, he's the kind of guy that you'd think, yeah, like that's, that's a PK sort of guy, big body, you know, works hard. And I think the Canucks are right now, I don't want to spike any footballs, but uh, I think they're liking what they've got from Dakota Joshua.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, and we've said, like, clearly Rick Tockett's like what he's seen right from the outset. Uh, he says 20, and, and I, I won't rule it out. Uh, but for a guy that really, you know, hadn't proven that he was a full-time NHLer, uh, this has been a really good season. But a really good season is 10 goals. Can he get to 20? I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, pretty complete night. A goal and an assist. Uh, he had three shot attempts, just the one shot on goal, but he made the most of it because he scored. But three hits. Three takeaways as well. You know, the coaches will take notice of that all in 12 minutes of ice time. And that included some penalty kill time as well. So, you know, it's not about getting 17, 18 minutes. That's a guy that's leaving his imprint on a hockey game in just 12 minutes of ice time. So, uh, yeah, it was a good night for him. uh, And it's been a pretty good stretch. He absolutely is one of the ones that has responded uh, since Rick Tockett took over.
0: Connor Garland has been with Amon and Joshua on that line. And as we talked about that goalless or that goalless drought that he had, that he snapped tonight. uh, He was asked post game, you know what he's sort of liking with uh, this chemistry that he's trying to build with his new line mates. Well, I mean, they're long, uh, they're rangy. So below the goal line, they, uh, they come up with a lot of stuff. Um, You know, they like to go to the net and play a simple game and it's, uh, it's been nice. They're both, they're both good players and uh, easy to talk to and easy to, uh, you know, figure stuff out in the Ozone with. So uh, I think it's been uh, a good line for us as of late. You know, I, we've uh, we've been winning a lot since, you know, we were put together and, you know, we feel uh, we feel good about that. Yeah, and we wondered really where Connor Garland fits in this lineup right now. And, you know, if you're starting to see that they're sort of building something here, maybe that is the perfect spot for him.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, if, if that's sort of his lot in life, then again, we touched on it earlier in this episode where, yeah, you know, we said like he's a five million dollar guy that came with some goal scoring pedigree. I, I don't know what you truly can expect if he's slotted in a third line role. Uh So, yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, that line seems to play well when they're on. They're spending time in the offensive zone. They're generating some chances and, and finishing. But then you come back to the fact that this is his first goal in in more than a month. And yeah. You know, whoever he's playing with, there just there has to be an expectation of a little bit more. So, again, I mean, the, the Canucks are up against it. The cap, nothing's changed there. Like, I still think that you're going to see them offload a player or two. And I just wonder, based on what he makes, if Connor Garland's a candidate to uh, be shuffled out here in the offseason.
0: Or is, you know, the play to try to get a center. I know Dolly Wall was talking about on their show today how the Canucks are focused on, you know, trying to get that third-line center, uh, perhaps in free agency or maybe through trade, who knows. But maybe that should be the focus, you know, that, to get that guy that can play a little more offensively than, than Nils Amon can and then push Nils Amon down, you know, to try to perhaps unlock Garland. Because let's be honest, J-Pat, it's not a lot of trade value for Connor Garland. And you're probably gonna have to eat some money if you trade them because everybody's capped out, right? right.
1: And so, I mean, th- this presents you know bigger picture questions about how they're going to attack the salary cap in the off season. Uh, but and uh, look, I don't disagree. I I, I believe it. And then to hear Dolly Wall, you know, suggest that he's heard it from sources that yes, that's right at the top of the list for the Vancouver Canucks. That's fine. But we also know that you end up overpaying. In free agency, and yes. if you're looking for a you know a goal scoring offensive production kind of guy rather than just a you know a guy that can come in and kill some penalties for you, uh, if you're going to get better at that third line center, it's going to cost you. And again, they just they don't unless they go down Buyout Boulevard or you know one of these trades to free up some cap space. It's going to be difficult to go into the open market and find the guy that they're looking for to upgrade this hockey club. So you know, again, the same challenges apply. Nothing can and will change here uh, over the next 11 games, but then that'll be a lot of the talk in the off season. is, you know, what is the plan now uh, to try to get this cap under control and to start making the salary cap work for them rather than having them work against it the way they have for the last bunch of
0: years? What do the homes look like on Buyout Boulevard? The, the big homes are
1: uh yeah because guys have a fair bit of disposable income at
0: that point uh jt miller of course uh is finding the back of the net and he is finding it big time with that shot that he's got four goals in his last uh three games he was asked post game about you know what's going on how come you keep ripping them home yeah it's
1: crazy sometimes you feel like you you know you're uh shooting into a five gallon bucket and sometimes you just feel like like you just said like you're just kind of hitting your mark and uh when you're pl- when you're shooting like that with confidence, it makes me want to shoot more. And um, it's nice to see them go because like there's stretches of the season where it seems like you, you can do everything but score. So you know you can kind of take them as they come.
0: Yeah, if I'm Rick Tockett, I'm like JT. Yes, shoot more. <laughs> Absolutely, shoot more. That thing's lethal. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Really, he's just. I mean, I guess it's always been there, but it's just sort of you know jumping off the page right now.
1: Yeah, I, you're right. Like I think he's always been able to shoot, but it's just the sort of laser beam effect right now and the fact that he's hitting the mark. And so uh, this one was spectacular. I mean, again, it was a terrible giveaway by Hurdle, but Mm -hmm. still like there's a goalie there that you got to beat. And he picked his spot and absolutely wired it. So uh, he's in a groove. Uh, He also got an assist uh, late in the game. So another two-point night for J.T. Miller, just racking up the points here of late. And uh, the more he does this, and again, these games don't, mean anything really in the grand scheme but he's finishing strong and i guess the hope will be that when the new contract kicks in and you pick up in september for training camp and into the regular season that this jt miller the one with a lot less noise around him uh you know removing and eliminating the big mistakes that wind up in the back yeah. of the net and Those then they're productive yeah you know, that, yeah, you can live with the contract and the raise that he's getting, and, you know, is he going to give you value over the length of it? Probably not, but uh, as Patterson and Hughes come into their sort of statistical primes, and you got Kuzmenko, it, it, it certainly stands to reason that J.T. Miller can be really effective and really productive for the first few years of the new contract, and I guess all, you know, with three years left on Demko's current contract, like that sort of feels like the window for this group, and so... Uh, If JT Miller can give you all the offense and continue to remove the mistakes and the attitude and everything else, then, yeah, I mean, I I think people will warm to that guy, that player, and I think we're seeing a little bit of that. But, again, the context is that, you know, this is garbage time in the season, and he's going to have to come out of the gate strong, and so will others, to get some wins that can put them ahead of the curve rather than, you know, chasing from the outset the way they were this year with the seven straight losses right off the hop.
0: A player that the Canucks hope to have in the fold for a little bit, or at least be a part of their uh, core, is the new guy, Philip Hironik. He's got one year left on the contract before uh, becomes an RFA. But uh, the head coach was asked about Hironik's game, just wondering, you know, how he felt
2: about it. I like uh, just his, especially the first half, his swag, quick plays. Um, You know, I thought he did really well. We 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 were down to five. Well, and got hurt there. I think it was the first shift. So that was kind of tough uh, playing the 5D. So, But, I, you know, for him to come back after three three weeks playing 5D, it's not the greatest situation. Any update on Mulan? Uh I don't know yet. Yeah, not it, sure. Did he get hit? or? Was it yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, he had that shift. He kind of pinched. In the, uh, I, I don't know if something happened there. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, time on ice, one forty nine mm-hmm. for uh, Christian Wolan. on the other end of the spectrum, 24-25 uh, under Philip Aronik and I mean, that, that to me is sort of the stat that stands out uh, in, in this game. Like, the fact that this guy had been off for so long and the coach felt, uh, you know, comfortable enough to to play him. And, and I mean, the fact that Queen Hughes only played 23-39, like, that's a walk in the park for 43.
1: Right, but I, I like the maturity of this coaching staff to recognize that they had a big lead, that they've got a busy schedule here, they're heading under the road three and four. Like, get the opportunity to... Sit Quinn Hughes, even after you have to fight the urge because they've just been conditioned to roll him out there so much that, you know, these opportunities pretty good chance that they'll find themselves in close games again, maybe as soon as Saturday in Dallas, and they'll have to lean on Quinn Hughes. And so they had the opportunity to rest him, and I think they did the prudent thing here, and you've got a new toy in Philip Ronick. He's here. He's healthy. And again, 24 minutes. It's not outrageous. They weren't asking him to play 34 minutes. He can handle 24 and so I think he got through the night just fine. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see now what they do. We talked about it, but, you know, who's available to them? How do they line up? Uh, who's on the left side? Who's playing with Hronik moving forward? You know, I, ideally, I don't think that Ethan Baer is, uh, you know, the perfect partner for him, to righties, but that's sort of the way that they decided to start this game. And then their hand was forced with uh, Will and leaving uh, as early as he did.
0: You have been asking about this, uh, just wondering exactly what Rick Talkett's summer is going to be, because he talks, he talks about, about it every yes. game <laughs> just talks about the importance of you know this summer for some of these players and, and he 's right, like you know sure. their season ends earlier than a lot of other teams. Here is Rick talk at game because you
2: asked him you asked him to clarify the summer here 's what the head coach had to say no i 'll be involved you know' it's, uh, I like I told you, you have to be involved you can 't just shake a guy 's hand and see you in four months. It just doesn't work that way, uh, especially the teams that don't make the playoffs. They, they got a lot of time to you know, look at Tampa and guys, teams like that. They, they have short summers, you know, and, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, this team's had some, some long summers, so you got to really dial it in and be ready to go in October. You going to work out with some guys? I'm not. I'm old man. I'll work out with the coaches. So, are you going to go from Rick Tockett to Rick Steves, like bouncing around the world, visiting these guys? Well, I'm not. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not going to. You know, we're trying to get some guys to come here too. You know, check in here. So, but I'll I'll jump around for sure. I
0: I didn't get Gemma's reference there. Who's did you say, Rick Steves?
1: Yeah, Rick Steves is like a travel author, and uh, he's done some television work as well. But uh, he far and wide around the world. So, uh, yes.
0: A yeah. uh, good little tie in there. But I, I, I listen, I, I liked the fact that, uh, first of all, I like the fact that you asked him if he's going to work out with them. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Taco looks like he's in decent shape still. But I, you know, I like that from the head coach. I, I like hearing that sort of thing. And you, know, you can tell, like, I, not that Rick da- ever questioned how invested he is, but I love how invested he is. Cause, you know, come summer, like some coaches might say, all right, guys, like I'll see you in t- September and show up in shape or else you know
1: well with rick Tockett, they better show up yeah the or else is the part that would scare me i think if i was a player
0: (laughs) yeah especially if it's coming from rick Tockett.
1: the bc lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the calgary Stampeders on saturday november 4th at bc place kickoff at 3 30 p.m looking forward to this one playoff football bc place the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core, and you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at BCLions.com and check this out. They start at just thirty bucks, and kids seventeen and under can get in for fifteen. So bring the noise, fill the dome.
0: All right, before we get to my best bet, game in a hashtag, did something big news happened right before the puck drop in the third period. John Garrett, longtime caller analyst for the Vancouver Canucks, announcing that this is his final season. And this is it, the last little stretch here for Cheech. And, uh, you know, listen, fans love it. They love Shorty. They love Cheech. He's been a legend in this market for so long. going to be weird next year when the puck drops on the 23-24 season to hear Shorty and question mark.
1: Yeah, those will be some big shoes to fill. Um, uh, I, I think for me, when I think of John Garrett, it's the entertainment value of this past decade that has really been a dark, dark decade for the Vancouver Canucks. And yet he and Shorty bring it every time they're together. And the rapport off the air is the same as the one. I mean, that's why the chemistry is there. It's authentic, Uh you know, Cheech gets the showmanship and the the fun, the sense of humor. He's just a good and honest man. He's been terrific dinner company when I was out traveling. Uh, you know, the stories I've witnessed at firsthand, I've seen the catch up on uh, all sorts of things. You know, it's not an act, it's not schnick. Um And he's just, he's brought smiles to Canuck fans that have needed some levity because there haven't been enough wins here. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate that. Uh, it's going to end when the season ends, and there won't be playoffs here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, he. When I think of his years of service to the Vancouver Canucks, and obviously, it goes back to his playing days first and foremost, and a member of the alumni, and then in the broadcast booth for the better part of two decades. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the final games in Arizona. It's a regional broadcast, so uh, he'll get to work. Game 82 of the regular season and uh, the tributes already pouring in. And, you know, he's just he's done a terrific job. I I remember him going back like when he broke in with Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, He's worked with a bunch of different partners, but certainly we think of the two Johns and uh, how fortunate we've been in a market like this one. Uh, and I've watched a lot of hockey from around the league and a lot of the regional broadcasts, and uh, I would put those two guys right up there at the top. And so uh, looking forward to, I'm not looking forward to life without John Garrett in the broadcast booth, but uh, looking forward to these last few games and uh, to, again, just sort of see the outpouring that's already
0: out there on all the social channels uh, as we record this. It's going to be a massive love-in for Cheech, especially, And, and rightfully so, as it should be. And I know it's going to get batted around. I know a whole bunch of people are going to be wondering who's going to fill that seat. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see exactly who they choose for that. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's definitely some names that are out there, but it feels like it's going to be somebody I, I don't think people see coming because some of the names that I think people are thinking perhaps don't want the job. You know, well, I, I know I, like some I've people might the, say Kevin yeah,
1: like Right. Like I've seen a lot of people throwing out former players and it's fine to have a former player, but like a, they've got to want the job. They're going to want to have to travel. And, yeah. you know, some people have young families and, you know, part of the reason that, uh, they haven't gotten back into the game, you know, full time is because of family reasons. Like if you're in, you're in like, it's not just, you get to work at home games, travel is a part of it for some people. That'd be a perk, but, uh, uh, and the other is that not every ex player is a great color guy. Some are better in the studio and some are better in other areas. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how much notice Sportsnet has had on this. If Cheech tipped them off at the start of the year, you know, if the process has already begun, uh, is it going to be open auditions for people around the league? Do they have their eye on somebody? Uh, these are all big decisions. Will Shorty have a say in it? Because you got to have that chemistry uh, with the guy you're working with. Otherwise, uh, it's just you know you can tell when it's not there as a viewer um, and a consumer. So, yep, yeah, it's uh, this will be a, a tough call for them and you got to get it right so uh, it's gonna be fascinating to see uh just add that to the pile of off-season decisions around the vancouver canucks that uh, certainly will be regarded with a lot of intrigue
0: yeah dream ba is on our ass j-pats here wondering if it's going to be Donnie taylor that's going to get the job i don't think it'll be <laughs> <laughs> you'll probably take it though uh, but, you know, with Donnie, though, there'd have to be a heck of a lot of perks, though, too, right? And no more buffer days for you either, bud. If there's well, been the night.
1: summers are
0: nothing oh, but buffer days at that point. True. That's true. Maybe they can uh, convince Donnie. All right, I hit my Bodog best bet tonight. Hey. Quinn Hughes and Eric Carlson both over half an assist. I like the value on it at plus 125. I thought plus 125 was like a lot for that. But when I looked underneath uh, or looked at that isn't uh, at the stats uh, earlier, I looked at Eric Carlson hadn't had an assist in a little while. He had two in his last seven, something like that. But they both get one tonight. So that's my 29th win of the season by Trail of the Canucks right now. They got 32. So we're in the stress drive here. See if I can catch them. Uh, as I finish off the season here with my best bets, but hopefully you guys, uh, listened to our pregame show and, and made that bet, made yourselves a little bit of money tonight. All right, let's get the game in a hashtag, which is presented by Delaney's okay tire out there on Fraser highway in Langley. Uh, this is Graham from uh, Hardy from port Hardy. I believe it is hashtag mm-hmm. Garrett hashtag legend. And then he also put, it was a fun game. Hashtag heronic was decent. Yes, I agree with you that night. Uh Johnny Canuck, uh, he's been listening. He knows. Hashtag oh so close to 70.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Uh, Glenn says hashtag Cheech sets Twitter on fire. Yep. A strong Belly says hashtag thank you Cheech. Ernie says hashtag fart gate. Yep. <laughs> that'll be one <laughs> of the ones that'll live on forever. <laughs> uh, Kim says hashtag catch up uh michael says hashtag cheech say it ain't so ty just says hashtag teach and then david follows it up with hashtag cheech calling and planning another hashtag catch up uh Soap Fox says uh hashtag no rhymer reason and n8 says hashtag cheat for cheech that's right a big win for the canucks tonight and uh yeah they did get a w for cheech but of course this isn't his final game obviously no all right, uh, let's just get a quick ass J-pad in here, and this one is from Strong Belly. It says, Did Pod Colson do his best Miller impression off the zone entry to top corner snipe?
1: Yes, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we, we probably should have spent a little more time earlier talking about yeah. Pod Colson because yeah. uh, goals have been hard to come by, uh, but looked like he was shot out of a cannon with speed, makes the move at the line, finds some ice, and and then makes no mistake, and yeah, I mean, yes, James Reimer was giving up goals, but uh, I don't want to take anything away. Like, more of that, please, uh, from Vasily Coles. and that looked like some of the goals that he scored last year with that big-time shot that we know he possesses, and so maybe it's a confidence thing. You know, I'm not expecting to go end-to-end every game, but yeah, that kind of looked like a goal that J.T. Miller has been scoring here of late. So, again, as they got production and contributions from a lot of depth guys, I know it was late in the game, the second half of the the third period but 15 seconds after the sharks had scored and make it 4 to 2 i mean there's enough time there that yeah, i guess it could have got interesting but uh, pud colson kind of you know slapped them if you will uh, 15 seconds after the egazina goal uh, he restores that canucks lead and makes it 5 to 2 and at that point uh, they were home and, and cooled but uh, yeah that was encouraging because we just we really haven't seen enough of that from vasily pud colson so let's hope that there are a few more of those before the season is through
0: I uh, Squeeze some more in here. David wants to know when is J. Pack going to be announcing he's the new color guy.
1: <laughs> uh, I've done lot of play-by-play, play, but uh, and I've done a little bit of color. Oh, but usually for fun. Yes. Uh,
0: I didn't you do a Giants game recently
1: uh, last for one? the Winnipeg Ice? Yeah. No, I sat in with uh, Brian Muns, the Winnipeg Ice, when they were through Langley. I went and did some color with him. So I've done it. I we used to do BC Hockey League games of the week and stuff, uh, and. Look, hockey broadcasting has been in my blood for a lot of years, but uh, I do not, I I certainly don't make any plans on pushing for that job, and I don't think that I would be on their list, quite frankly, so.
0: Bodog odds, what do you think? Plus. Long shot. Yeah, long, plus six, seven, eight thousand, something like Mm, that. Something like that. (laughs) All right, all right, well, the of course, you got to tell us who did something in this game, and it's always, it's presented by Jason Hominick at Jason.Morgan.
1: Yeah, I mean, lots of guys did, obviously, when uh, you get seven different goal scores and a bunch of guys with multiple points, and Philip Peronick didn't figure in the scoring, but uh, makes his Canucks debut. So there's lots of candidates here, but I always like the sort of circle of life and the fact that Connor Garland was my do-something guy on the pregame show on YouTube, and uh, I don't know if he watched or word filtered through or whatever his motivation was. Uh, he did something. He uh, had a, actually he had an assist on the Joshua goal, so he found his way on the score sheet in the first period, and then in the second uh, gets his 13th of the year, which snapped a 13-game drought without putting a puck in the net. So uh, it was long overdue. So Connor Garland is my did-something candidate, and the hashtag tonight to get in on that $25 gift card to BC's best breakfast The Dutch is hashtag spread the scoring. And that's what the Vancouver Canucks... Did Kuzmenko and Miller start the scoring. Uh, those are primary guys that have been scoring a lot of late, but then uh, it fell on the secondary performers for this Vancouver Canuck hockey club. Joshua with his 10th. That was his first goal in seven games. We talk about Garland and his drought. Pud Colson Di Giuseppe, back-to-back games now for him. And uh, Sheldon Dries finished out the scoring. Pretty goal, cool too. Shorthanded goal with 14 seconds remaining. So the Canucks did spread the scoring. That's the hashtag to get in on the Dutch gift card. And as always, did something presentation of Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage. Uh, the connect with that last second goal in the first period. And again, I just thought that was a big turning point. You know, don't let uh, the clocks work against you when it comes to your mortgage and renewals. Jason wants to make sure that you got a plan and you're thinking ahead on all these types of things. And so uh, if you've got questions about your mortgage... Uh, He is the guy to ask, and we've been telling you about Jason Jason Mortgage, Jason Dot Mortgage, but we've been telling you about Jason Hominick for a while here. He has saved RinkWide listeners money. He has saved Sakaris and Price listeners thousands of dollars as well, and he can save you. He wants to save you money. Again, this is complex stuff, and if you've got questions about it, uh, make sure that you're thinking out ahead. Don't get jammed into a corner here. Uh, Get Jason Hominick on your side. You can find him. On his website, it is jason.mortgage. All his contact information is there. So reach out and it all starts with a phone call. He really should just change his last name
0: to mortgage because he's he the guy, yeah. really. Yeah. All right. Send that hashtag, spread the scoring into the GoGo Sports inbox at 778 402 9680. And that'll get you into that draw to uh, perhaps win $25 to BC's Best Breakfast. That's right. Check them out at dutch.com And if you missed any of the did something hashtags that we've had, uh, throughout the week, we've got four right now. So go back, check out those post-game shows, and then you can improve your odds by entering into the draw. The Canucks improved their record. I don't know if many fans wanted them to do that, but they did that tonight uh, with a decisive win over the San Jose Sharks, a big 7-2 W. And, uh JPAT, they're starting to creep up on other teams now. So if you're one of those tankists, don't look at the standings tonight. This has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rink-Wide is the show that always goes